The Nigerians may now have to bear directly the actual cost of the premium motor spirit as the federal government reveals plans to stop subsidizing. And in the 2020 budget, we made a provision to assume that at the maximum, by the end of June, we must exit subsidy. So this proposal may see the pump price of petrol jumping from 162 naira to more than 300 naira per litre. Well, that's that's uh, about double the price yeah. that we pay now. So um, obviously the impact is uh, inflationary. I mean, transport costs, transport costs will be much higher. Uh, to cushion the effect, government has promised to support 40 million poor Nigerians with 5,000 naira for one year. My position is clear. We cannot accept the regulation that is based on importation. It doesn't make sense. Nigeria will be shut down should the federal government attempt to remove the fuel subsidy as allegedly being proposed. I repeat, Nigeria will be shut down should the federal government... From Triple E Media, I'm Ramat Mohammed, and this is The Backstory. The average global price of fuel that consumers put into their cars was about $1.23 per liter, or about 510 naira per liter as of today's exchange rate. Today, on average, Nigerians are paying about 170 naira per liter at the pump, so substantially less than the global average price. And Nigeria is able to keep the prices at the pump low because the government subsidizes the cost of petroleum for everyone. According to TheConversation.com, Nigeria has spent about $30 billion in subsidies in the past 16 years, which would be okay if that money stayed in Nigeria's economy and continued to add value here. But because Nigeria imports 80% of the petroleum that we use, that subsidy money is essentially being transferred out of the country. That's $30 billion that could have stayed in the country's economy for infrastructure projects. $30 billion gone. And most of it is borrowed money. The argument being made by economists is that in order for Nigeria's economy to develop to the next level, we have to stop the subsidies. Essentially, we need to keep that money in the country for development projects. Now, that argument makes sense in theory. But when you ask the average Nigerian to start paying 300, 400, or 500 naira at the pump, the argument no longer makes practical sense. In this episode, Lucky and Antonieta will take you quickly through Nigeria's history with the fuel subsidy to help us understand how we got here and what the government needs to do to get out of the subsidy business. Since the early 1970s into the mid-1980s, the word subsidy was part of every Nigerian's vocabulary. We even coined the local phrase to describe government subsidies. It's national cake. We are not interested in baking the cake. We are interested in sharing, not sharing it. Patience Ozokwa, popularly known as Mama G, even released a song back in 2007 about the national cake. I will share the national my money. Divide the national egg. Chop your own, I chop my own. My government will not 
But subsidies were not only part of our songs and vocabulary. They were officially part of our fiscal budgets. Subsidy is simply the sum of money that the government grants to a specific industry or business so that they can keep the prices for the consumers relatively low. In the 1970s, Nigeria's economy was booming and almost every sector was subsidized. From the educational sector, the health sector, to water, aviation, and even staple produce in the market, like wheat and sugar, were all subsidized. As for petrol, the Nigerian government was paying high percentage in subsidy. For example, in 1973 and 1974, our government was paying 83% in fuel subsidies. Historically, the government has paid more in fuel subsidies when oil prices increase, which is an interesting dynamic if you think about it. On the one hand, the Nigerian government makes more revenue when oil prices are high. But then, on the other hand, they take that money and spend it to subsidize petrol. And we do that because in Nigeria, we don't refine enough of our own oil to actually serve our needs. So we export oil and then pay subsidies to import the petrol we need back into the country. This exchange worked out great when the price of oil was much higher, when we had lower population and when we were making mad amounts of money. But did we save any of it for the rainy day? Nope. Did we invest it in building the infrastructure to refine our own oil? Of course not. So naturally, crude oil prices began to plummet from over $130 per barrel in 1980 down to a little over $30 per barrel in the beginning of 1986. The falling oil prices started to send our economy into freefall. Back then and even today, we were relying primarily on oil to drive our economy. So when the oil prices tanked, so did our economy and something had to be done to stabilize our economy. Of course, everyone had ideas about how to do that, but three contributions stand out. The government came with their own idea to withdraw the subsidy, which pushed petrol prices from 20 cobbles per liter to 39 cobbles per liter. International financial institutions like the IMF, World Bank and the Paris Club also strongly advised that subsidies should be removed. Like the government, these institutions argued that fuel subsidy was stalling Nigeria's development. Instead of using the money for infrastructure projects, the country was essentially losing the revenue and then borrowing on top of that to cover budget deficits. Now, when the subsidy was removed in 1986 and petrol went from 20 cobbles to 39 cobbles per liter, it wasn't just fuel prices that were affected. Everything became more expensive. The people were starting to buckle under the weight of inflation. And it's at this time that two groups rose up to oppose the government's removal of subsidy. One group was the Nigerian Labour Congress, the NLC. And the other was the National Association of the Nigerian Students, or NANS, NANS. Since 1986, these two groups have been able to effectively rally the public against the removal of petrol subsidy. And they've done that by making the argument that the removal of fuel subsidy would make inflation high and make life difficult for the masses. In addition, they argue that the problems in our economy were not caused by the low prices of fuel, but by official government corruption. Nance and NLC argued that instead of cutting subsidy, governments should figure out how to make up for the deficit by cutting out what they called unnecessary spending and by also curbing corruption. 
Once the people were faced with that narrative, and at the same time, they had evidence of inflation, they threw their full weight behind the NLC and NANS and opposed the government's attempt to remove the subsidy. So, in response to this opposition in 1986, the federal government was forced to double the minimum wage from 125 naira to 250 naira per month. And while that was going on, the international financial institutions just sat back and watched, leaving the federal government at the center of the controversy. This dynamic that was established in 1986 between the NLC, NANS, the federal government, and the international financial institutions has been at the heart of the fuel subsidy debate ever since. Every administration has attempted to remove the subsidy, either in parts or entirely. And Nigerians have come to accept fuel price increase as part and parcel of electing a new administration. During the Opasanjo administration, the price per litre went from 20 naira in the year 2000 to 75 naira by the end of his second term in 2007. Yeradua's administration actually lowered the price from 75 to 65 initially, but the price eventually went up during Jonathan's administration and settled at 87 naira in 2015. And Buhari's administration wasted no time in increasing it from 87 to 145 naira in 2016. But even though we've been seeing the price steadily increase at the pump, we still haven't fully pulled the plug on subsidies entirely. To this day, we still rely on partial fuel subsidies. According to datafight.com, fuel that we buy today is actually subsidized by about 20% by the government. So, what will it take for Nigerians to rip off the fuel subsidy bandit once and for all? Our position is clear. <clears throat> we cannot accept the regulation that is based on importation. It doesn't make sense. All the argument looks funny, and it sounds that people... For the NLC, the only way we can stop or significantly reduce subsidies is to stop importing petrol. The argument is, how can we deregulate something that we import? So for them, the precondition to remove the subsidy is that we must begin to refine enough petrol in the country so that when the subsidy is removed, the pump price will remain low and people will not have to bear the additional burden of higher prices at the pump. The government recognizes that removing subsidies will lead to higher prices, which would be a burden. But their solution is to let the prices go up and then offset the burden with a cash transfer scheme. The intervention we want to provide, it's, it's, so we said between 20 to 40 million people, and there's still a lot of work going on. We already agreed it would be 5,000 Naira. And we also agreed that- This proposed cash transfer program would essentially provide about 40 million Nigerians, the most vulnerable in our population, with 5,000 Naira every month for about six months to one year to help offset the increase in prices once subsidies removed. The cash transfer is a strategy that has been used by other countries which have successfully implemented fuel subsidy reform, like Indonesia. In 2005, Indonesia reduced fuel subsidy and prices went up by over 110%. Lower-income households were given an unconditional transfer of cash for one year to compensate for the rise in prices. Over the next 10 years, between 2005 and 2015, Indonesia's government has been slowly reducing subsidies and each time they would re-implement the cash transfer program. By doing that, government finally eliminated fuel subsidies in 2015. 
So there is evidence that the 5,000 Naira cash transfer could help cushion the initial shock of removing fuel subsidy. But then what happens after the six months or the one year is up? How sustainable is that solution? In Indonesia's case, the cash transfer program was not the only thing they did. As they were removing subsidies, they were also increasing their capacity to refine petroleum in their own country. So Nigerians' plan for cash transfer after subsidy removal cannot be our only solution. We can't just sit back and let the prices of fuel go up and say, yeah, take 5,000 naira. That's not a sustainable solution by itself. It has to be in conjunction with increasing our capacity to refine our crude oil. This is where our saving grace, the Dangote refinery, comes in. Now, the Dangote refinery is a $7 billion project that is being built in Lagos. And when it's complete, it will have the capacity to refine 650,000 barrels of oil. On average, we consume about 400,000 barrels of oil per day. So this refinery, once it's up and running, has the capacity to refine even more than what we currently consume. Now, before you get too excited, let me remind you that Nigeria already currently has four refineries with the total combined capacity to process 445,000 barrels per day. So technically, if all those refineries were working, we would already have all the petrols we need without importing. But even with all those refineries, we're importing 80% of our petrol. So obviously, the refineries are not working at full capacity. Recently, the government has started to invest money into existing refineries in an effort to turn them around. But it remains to be seen if they will be able to produce petrol at capacity anytime soon. So even though the Dangote refinery looks promising on paper, we still don't know for sure when it will be ready and when it will be operating at full capacity. Do we want to remove fuel subsidy before we are sure that we can actually refine enough petrol to meet our needs? Hey everyone, a quick update. The National Labor Congress, NLC, had planned a nationwide strike later this week across all the 36 states in protest of the alleged plan by the federal government to remove the fuel subsidy. Now, several government representatives have since come out to say that the announcement made by the Minister of Finance about removing fuel subsidy does not represent the final decision of the Federal Executive Council. Other government representatives have even insisted that the president does not support the removal of fuel subsidy. As of tonight, Monday the 24th of January, Punch Newspapers, The Guardian, and Channels Television are all reporting that the federal government has suspended any plans to remove the subsidy and that they will make provisions to continue the subsidy beyond June. A big congratulations to the NLC, NANS, and TUC for derailing what would most certainly have been a national disaster. The proposal to remove the fuel subsidy is 100% the logical thing to do. The money it would free up could definitely be applied to other projects that are crucial to development. But I would once again emphasize that just because it's a logical move doesn't make it practical. In this episode, we brought you the case of Indonesia and we told you that Indonesia successfully ended fuel subsidy in 2015. And their economy is so much better now for doing so. And yes, Indonesia even implemented the same type of cash transfer program to help offset the negative impact to their vulnerable population. 
So naturally, it makes sense that some of our leaders may believe that all they have to do is copy Indonesia's cash transfer program and voila, we will have the same success. This is so not true. Because in order for us to have the same type of success that Indonesia had, our leaders would have to copy not only the cash transfer program, but the other conditions that existed in Indonesia at the time that they chose to fully remove the subsidy. Condition number one, remove the subsidy slowly. Indonesia had already been removing the subsidy slowly starting in 2005. And actually our own government has also been slowly and consistently removing our own fuel subsidy since 1999. But to be able to fully remove the subsidy, Indonesia also had the following conditions in place. Condition number two, refine at least 50% of the fuel you use in your own country. In 2014 and 2015, when Indonesia fully removed the fuel subsidy, they were refining over 800,000 barrels per day in their own country. Now, at that time, they still had to import about 40% of the petroleum products that they needed. In Nigeria right now, we are importing anywhere between 80 to 90% of the petroleum products we consume. So we have a long way to go before condition number two is met. Condition number three, bring the unemployment rate down. Between 2014 and 2015, when Indonesia removed the fuel subsidy, unemployment rates were less than 5%. Nigeria's unemployment rate, according to our own National Bureau of Statistics, is 33%. We're not even close to bringing the unemployment rate down. Condition number four, wait for the global oil prices to drop. In 2014, global oil prices tanked. And they didn't really start to recover until 2017. And in fact, the prices have still not fully recovered to their 2014 levels. When Indonesia removed fuel subsidy in 2014, that was a really smart move because the drop in oil prices essentially meant that Indonesians would be protected from any global spikes in the price of refined petroleum products. If you look at the trend of oil prices now, with the exception of 2020, oil prices have been going up since 2016. So if we remove subsidy as the oil prices are going up and we don't have the capacity to refine our own oil, are we really setting ourselves up for success? When we first started working on this story, Lucky's position was that we should just go ahead and remove the fuel subsidy because if we wait for the perfect time, it will never come. There is no perfect time. But actually, the data are clear. There is a perfect time and a perfect set of conditions that will increase the likelihood of success. We want the government to successfully remove subsidies. We want to use that money for other things. But let's make sure that once we remove the fuel subsidies, we never have to bring them back. And if Indonesia can time it and do it properly, why can't we? The Backstory is a Triple E Media production. Production copyright 2022 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and you would like to hear more, go to our website at 234audio.com to play the sample content. Then download our app from the Google Play Store for even more episodes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at 234audio to watch the video for this episode. 
make sure to click the notification bell, like, and leave a comment. Our episodes can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a comment because it helps other people find our content. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Ramat Mohammed, Antonietta Kalunta, Usama Lucky, Uche Mba, Dominic Tabakaji, and Sam Tabakaji. Executive producer, Ramat Mohammed. Special thanks to Mala Iwa Badu Ikaleku.